KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. It's just a good conversation with someone you didn't know you were interested in. I'm Matt Leon, and this is One on One, sponsored by your Delaware Valley Honda dealers. Get a deal you'll like on a Honda you'll love. It was always a dream of mine to coach at Villanova. And being from the area, I knew, like, wow. Like, I would be a Cabrini, and then literally I would go to Mass Sunday nights at Villanova, and I'd literally be in Mass and be like, this is where I want to be. And this is that next step. And this this is my dream. And our guest this week, Joni Milhouse. She is the head field hockey coach at Villanova University. 30 seasons at the helm of the Wildcats. And Joni, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you so much, Matt, for having me. So let's talk a little bit about we are recording this around the holidays. We were talking off the air about what life's been like the last couple of weeks. Kind of talk about what the focus has been the last couple of weeks and what it will be for the foreseeable future here as you head into 2024. So... It's been a little crazy and very exciting. I'm on the NCAA field hockey committee. So right at the end of our season, we made the Big East tournament. And then we went right into having my NCAA duties, which entitled going down to the University of Maryland and being a site rep there for the first and second rounds. And then the following week was the NCAA championship at University of North Carolina which was probably one of the best championships in field hockey history. And then the following week was a recruiting event. And then actually the following week after that was a trip to the Netherlands to recruit at two major showcases. So literally just got home from that this past Saturday. So it's been, uh, it's been busy and very exciting. How has the sport of field hockey grown during your career? Because I feel like this is one of the sports that to the average person – a few years ago was very niche, but it has really blossomed in the last couple of decades. Does it feel like that as someone who's got a passion for it, who's been involved with it your entire life? It definitely has grown, and I've watched it grow over the years, and it's been exciting to see the growth of field hockey because you see the growth of women's lacrosse really take off, and that took off exponentially in the past few years. So field hockey was a little bit at a standstill, I think, for some time. And then the growth of all club teams really took off, I'd say, in the past 10 10 to 12 years, which has really done a great impact of growing the sport. What do you think led to that? Like, was it just the demand for more outlets for for women's sports and field hockey was just kind of like the the natural place for a lot of these athletes to go? Yes, there was definitely a demand. And the club scene definitely took off with all sports. And I think field hockey just joined in. And it has really helped the growth of the sport. One of the things I'm always curious about (laughs) at your football and basketball levels, life is incredibly different now than it was five years ago. Transfer portal, name, image, likeness. Are you seeing any of those effects in field hockey? And if so, where? Transfer portal is insane. It has completely blown up. It is totally a different game with the transfer portal. Uh, But I take that as COVID was a major impact on that Um, because people basically, A, there are a couple avenues on this. One, they'll have a fifth year that they didn't have before. So transfer portal blew up because of that. B, I think COVID, a lot of these kids weren't able to go visit their schools because of COVID and got to the school and realized that it wasn't the right fit for them. So then the transfer portal blew up also because of that as well. So it, the transfer portal is, 
has been insane, actually. Any NIL impacts at this point, or is that not something you've had to really have come across your desk yet? We really haven't dealt with that quite yet. Uh, I'm sure that's going to be in the near future. Uh, I know that's impacted other sports a little bit more so than field hockey, but it definitely is starting to impact field hockey, and I can see it really growing. With the transfer portal and with all you said about COVID, do you think within field hockey things will settle down a little bit kind of once this group of athletes has worked its way through? Or do you think that a lot of that movement is kind of here for the duration, like I would assume it is in, in a lot of your other sports like football and basketball? I think it will settle down a little bit as far as the fifth year piece of it because people aren't going to have that fifth year of eligibility. But I think it's just the transfer portal has made it just too easy to leave a school. And then you're having less of a commitment, which I think is sad. I think it's actually very sad. But I think that it's going to die down a little bit. But I do think that it has now opened up an opportunity for girls and and boys to basically say, I'm not happy here. I'll be happier somewhere else. So then they go into the transfer portal. Has it changed the way you approach recruiting? Because if you and I were talking 15 years ago, I'm sure you were stacking things of, okay, this player's leaving in two years. They'll graduate in two years, so we're going to need their replacement. So you had to have more of a long game. Is it much more of a short-term thing sprinkled in? Like, well, we probably can't count on this entire class being here for four years, so we've got to change our approach and how we, maybe certain positions you look for in the transfer portal, stuff like that? Interesting that you say that because we have never really been impacted by the transfer portal. We don't have girls really leave Villanova field hockey, which is obviously fantastic. So there's that part of it that I really haven't necessarily in the past thought of, okay, we might lose people. We don't normally lose people. We actually rarely ever have. We do have one in the portal right now, but that's the first one I've ever really had that wants to go play somewhere else. As far as changing the recruiting dynamic, it definitely has because Villanova University academically is obviously a fantastic institution. And we're getting more and more girls come to us and reach out to say, I want to go to the business school for my fifth year. I want to, you know, do an accelerated nursing program with you guys. I want to do something at Villanova University for my fifth year. So we get a lot of people looking to come for that one fifth year. How does, when you've got somebody just for one year, is it difficult from a culture standpoint, you know, because you do see it, like, you know, you see the grad student everywhere, but how do you kind of look at within your program? Great, great question. Uh, Our culture is probably the most important thing going in our program right now, and we've worked really hard on that, and I can talk about that later, but we want to make sure it's 100% the right fit if we're going to bring somebody in for one year. We do our due diligence. We make sure the girl is all committed to our core values and standards. And we'll say straight up to them, this is what we live by right now. This is what our culture is like. Could you live by that? And I'll say, if you can't, then we're just not the right place for you. And good luck somewhere else. But we really look into each girl. We go to their their current coach, where they are. Uh, I've gone back to their high school coaches. I've gone to current players of ours that have played with them maybe in high school. We really make sure it's the right fit, and it's got to be the right fit or it's it's not going to work for us. Are there certain positions that you will gravitate more towards a grad student transfer or like kind of a, a one-off than other positions? Are there other positions you want kind of 
internal organic growth in that group and other places where you're like, you know what, we can plug and play here and it might really work? Not necessarily by position. Uh, I'm really looking for towards, I'd say, were they a leader on their team before coming to us? Because were they talented? Were they a leader? Are they a, a great girl with a great attitude? So it's not really by position because I think if they're good enough, we can kind of, you know, finagle them into a few different positions. It all depends on what we need. And like we're graduating two fifth-year backs. And so we actually had a bunch of girls reach out to us about that position. So is that somewhere that we would do it by position? Yes. And make sure that they can bring experience and leadership and growth to that backfield for us. So let's talk a little bit about your career in the sport. What's your earliest field hockey memory? How were you introduced to it? (laughs) I'm the youngest of seven, and I've got four sisters and two brothers, and my sisters all played field hockey. And my one sister actually was my coach for field hockey, basketball, lacrosse, and it was fantastic. So she really developed my passion for it, I would say. But the earliest memories... Literally, I can just remember being at my sister's games and carrying a field hockey stick on the sideline and playing just nonstop. So that's my earliest memories of field hockey. Were you good early on? (laughs) I don't want to say that that really, (laughs) but I loved it. And yeah, I think I had talent and but I just more so had a complete passion for it. Was that because I know you played a ton of stuff and you would coach different sports and all. But was field hockey always at the top of your list as far as passion and enjoyability, or did it kind of ebb and flow depending upon what was in season and what was happening in front of you? I loved actually every sport that I was in. And when I was in that season, that was my favorite sport, whether in high school, middle school, field hockey and basketball and lacrosse. And then in college, I played field hockey and lacrosse. So I think it went by sport. Like I really didn't have one over the other. Uh, Obviously, I chose field hockey and lacrosse to play in college, but it really was when we were in season, it was that sport. Past the obvious family ties with field hockey, from a purely competition X and O, what was it about the sport that you loved growing up? Why did it resonate with you? Because I think I was probably one of the most competitive kids (laughs) ever, and everything about those sports, it was just, I want to... I want to work the hardest. I want to be the best. I want to play to my abilities, and I want to just keep reaching further. So much now in athletics, kids are kind of streamlined into one sport. Once they show a passion or an ability, and it becomes a 12-months-a-year program. How did playing all these different sports, how did it complement you? And are there things that lacrosse taught you that actually helped you in field hockey not by design but just you kind of realized that the motion or the preparation really kind of helped you here did you find a lot of that oh definitely I think playing multi-sports is actually the best thing ever I honestly talk quite a bit about I wish we would go back to allowing kids to play multiple sports because you never grow stale you never get burned out it's because you're always ready for that next season to start. So everything is always fresh and everything is always fun. And that's the part I think these kids are missing out on because they're playing, you know, whether it's field hockey, lacrosse, or whatever the sport, they're playing it year-round. 
So physically, that's a little dangerous too because you can get injuries more because you're doing exercising the same exact muscles. But I thought the best thing was like at the end of field hockey, knowing like, okay, here comes lacrosse. Can't wait. So I do think the multiple sport thing is something that I wish we would go back to because I think there are so many advantages to it. And you don't get burned out. Like kids today, it's just constant. And I think it's great. Obviously, it has improved skill levels. But I do love when I look at a high school player that has multiple sports that they've played. And, yes, I've, I learned so much, actually, defensively from basketball. Uh, and I look for basketball players specifically because you learn a lot how to play defense through what I learned in basketball. And same thing with lacrosse. Like, these things definitely carry on of what you've learned from each sport to another. As an aside, you mentioned burnout. How much in kind of the athletic landscape is that something when you're recruiting and when you've got kids in-house, like, you know, somebody's been playing field hockey since they were seven and they've been playing field hockey constantly, constantly. It sounds silly, but it's absolutely true. By 18, 19, 20, when they can start to make their own decisions, they might hit a point where it's just not fun anymore. Is that something you have to come across? And when you're recruiting, is that something you have to dig into and make sure that this kid, I don't mean they're bad kids or anything, but just that the fire is still there? Yeah, You know what? I know it very well. It happened with my own daughter. And I watched her play, love the sport, play field hockey and lacrosse, love both of them. And then she chose the field hockey route, did club, and, you know, it's her fall season of high school, then it's the indoor season of club, then it's the spring season of club field hockey, and then it's summer field hockey. And her whole goal originally was she wanted to play in college, and she came to us at one point. It was junior year. She's like, I don't think I want to do this anymore. And I'm like, it's totally up to you. I get it. And there were some times where I would be at one of her tournaments and be like, oh, my gosh, these kids need a break. Yeah. And, and that's why I was saying the multiple sport thing mm -hmm. is actually something that keeps them have the fire. I watched her then step away from it, and, you know, it was 100% her decision, and we supported her whatever she wanted to do. And I'm like, you're doing this because you want to do it. I will never force you. And, and then she came to us. I think it was like end of sophomore year that she did that. And then she came to us end of junior year and said, I missed it. I really miss it, and now I think I want to play in college. And she had a lot of um, coaches had reached out to her previously, and then they knew that she had stopped, you know, wanting to play in college. So it was great afterwards that she um, she decided that she did want to go back into it. Fairfield's coach reached out, and sure enough, she's like, yeah, I'll have her any day. And now she's at Fairfield loving it. So it has changed my outlook on things because I think recruiting in the past, I would look at a kid like that and be like, wow, they're not committed. And she single-handedly has taught me that there's much more to look at in recruiting than just that. So, And I see her thriving at Fairfield and doing very well for them. So it made me step back and, and look at these girls and be like, okay, don't count that kid out just because she didn't go to that tournament or just because she didn't choose to play indoor. Because I used to write them off. and But that that's not actually, I can't do that anymore because I'm saying it live in my own family. I'm curious, you mentioned the competitiveness. How much of your competitiveness do you think is just how you're wired? And how much of it is being the youngest of seven? And <laughs> I am imagining there was a constant wanting to do what everybody else was doing. A constant, I don't want to say need for attention, but 
it's just human dynamics. Yeah. Like, how much do you think of it is one way or the other? That's funny you say that because, yeah, I think you're right about being the youngest of seven and always wanting to be a part of it. But I think you're born with it. I really do. I think some of these intangibles, you're either born with them or you're not. And that's actually something we look at when we are recruiting. Like, do they have the competitiveness, the passion? Do they have the determination? And I think you're born with that. I really do. Because you can try to, like, instill competitiveness in somebody, but you can only go so far. They've got to want it, ultimately, within themselves. So if I'm recruiting you when you were in high school, what would I be getting player-wise? Competitiveness we talked about. But, you know, what was your skill set? What made you special? Uh, Field hockey. I was fast. I could run. Uh, I could score goals. I was in the midfield, so I was really kind of hitting both ends of the field, offense and defense. But I just loved to play, and I was, like I said before, ultimately very competitive. And I just wanted to win at all costs and do whatever it took to win. In lacrosse, I was same thing. I was a midfielder and did the same thing. I loved to score goals. I was more of an offensive piece in lacrosse than defensive But I just loved it so much that I wanted to be out there and I wanted to make my teammates better. I wanted to do whatever it took for us to win that game. So college, you go to William & Mary, as you mentioned, play multiple sports. Why William & Mary? Uh, William & Mary basically gave me the full package. I was able to play field hockey and lacrosse and have an absolutely incredible education. So it boiled down to... That, as well as coaches, the the field hockey coach who originally had recruited me, she actually retired right before I got there. But the lacrosse coach was clearly one of the reasons why I went to William Mary. Feffy Barnhill was definitely a major impact of my life and always will be. So what are your favorite memories from your playing days in both sports during your college career? Like when you think back, what's at the top of the list? Seriously, the the friends that I made with both sports and the the times that we had together were just the best. Were there specific games? Yeah, they were like, remember us having just major wins in lacrosse. We were like one in the country for quite some time. But literally, it, it wasn't about the wins and losses as much as it was just the major friendships that we had and we developed and we continue to have. Uh, and the friendships we had with our coaches as well. But there were many memories and, and just all absolutely fantastic. Juggling two sports, was there a time of year on the calendar that that was the most difficult where you had to have a foot in both camps and it was a time management had to be at the top of the list as far as, you know, making sure and, oh, by the way, getting your college degree. Like, was there a a certain couple of months that you always had to brace for? Like, okay, got to keep our head down for the next six, seven weeks. Yeah, it was pretty much constant. Really? Um, it was because we didn't have the NCAA regulations that they have now. Um, so it wasn't like we had a fall season and a spring season. Like we would be in field hockey and all of a sudden like our teammates would be on the field next to us doing fall ball for lacrosse. But it was a different fall ball. It wasn't like so structured. And our head field hockey coach was the assistant lacrosse coach. And our assistant field hockey coach was the head lacrosse coach. So they swapped roles, so it's not like they were actually having practice and full practices next to us. But we would go field hockey, and then if there were a couple of lacrosse practice that they threw in there in between, 
we would then hit them like in the fall. And then I remember in the, the spring, all of a sudden we'd have a one off off Sunday and we would go to an indoor field hockey tournament at the University of Richmond. So it was like kind of doing both sometimes, but you just, you did it. You didn't think twice, you did it. And actually the majority of your friends were doing it with you. So it was fun. We didn't think twice about it. Yeah. Did you have to do major time management? Yes. As far as academics. Um, yeah, we really, and when I got there as a freshman, I definitely thought I was here to play field hockey and lacrosse and that was it. <laughs> and definitely dug myself a little bit of a hole, which I had to dig out of, uh, which I did. Thank goodness. But you learn, you learn that real quickly about the time management and they helped us along the way with that too. But there wasn't like much downtime. I'm curious with the digging the hole, was there a come to Jesus moment for you where like a, you got a test back or a professor sat you down and like that it kind of crystallized that, oh, um, I got to get to work here. Do you, is there a singular thing that sticks in your mind? Yeah, there was. It was when I was home for, I think it was Thanksgiving break, and my mom said to me, maybe this wasn't the right decision. Maybe this wasn't the right school. And I was like, oh, no, no, it is the right school. So that literally turned me around and was like, oh, I'll prove it. I'll prove that it was the right school. So it was a great come to Jesus moment. And I, I credit her for kind of sticking it to me. And it wasn't easy to hear, but I needed to hear it. We will return to our conversation with Villanova University head field hockey coach Joni Milhouse in just a moment on one-on-one. But first, there's nothing quite like the Honda Accord Hybrid and the CRV Hybrid when it comes to exhilarating efficiency. With hybrid technology and thrilling capability, these vehicles deliver an electrifying performance on every drive. This new year discover for yourself what truly makes these hybrids special redefine your driving experience with honda kbb.com's best value brand of 2023 contact your local honda dealer today about the honda accord hybrid and the crv hybrid and now let's return to our conversation on one-on-one with villanova university head field hockey coach joni milhouse did you always figure you were going to be coaching when you're still in college and, and high school? Did you always figure at some point in some sport you would be coaching? I did. I knew it. Between my sister being a role model for me and my high school coach was on the U.S. field hockey team and won the Olympic bronze medal. She was a huge role model to me as well. My college coaches were huge role models. And I knew it was something I always wanted to do. In the summers, I would I would coach at camps. And just when I would see, like, teaching a girl something, and all of a sudden she gets it. And it was, like, the most fulfilling thing for me. And I'm like, it just brought joy to me. So, yeah, I did know. I, did I know what level? No, I didn't. Uh, not at first. So I started at Cabrini as the head field hockey coach and right out of college. And then I started women's lacrosse assistant coach at Harriton High School. So I had two different levels there and levels of like D3 field hockey. So I think once I hit that, I knew I really wanted D1 and it didn't matter what sport. I'm curious. You mentioned your sister coached you when you were growing up. That can always be tricky. I think it tends to be more trickier for the sibling or parent that is the coach than it is for the the player. But what did you take from that experience and how did that kind of help you in your coaching toolbox going forward as far as not necessarily coaching family, but just navigating, you know, tricky inner dynamics? Yeah, great question. It was hard. 
because my sister Kathy had to be a lot harder on me than anybody else. And at times I would be like, why are you doing that to me? And she's like, I have to. And then, like, we talked about it, and it was great because then I got it. I understood why she had to do that. And it literally just made me work harder. So she didn't, wouldn't have to put me in those positions because I wanted to make sure that I was one of the hardest working ones so she couldn't turn to me and say, you need to work harder. So it made me a better player. It made me a better athlete. How long did it take for you to have that conversation, though? Like, was there a point where resentment was building up because you're like, dude, like, what are we doing here? Like, and you're young. Like, you don't understand a lot of things, you know? So was there a while or was it relatively early on that you guys kind of set the parameters of what was happening? It was early, actually, because we knew what we were getting into. And How, how old are you? ballpark around this point this was seventh grade okay seventh and eighth grade is when she coached me and and we knew it early she was great my parents were great and we knew that hey if this is going to work we got to make this work and this is how it's going to be and and i got it i did and i didn't get it probably like the first time she did it (laughs) but then i we did set those parameters pretty early so there was never the resentment piece so you mentioned cabrini harriton and you always knew you were going to coach. How specifically do these doors open? So it was when I was a senior at William Mary, and my high school coach said, hey, Cabrini has a job opening. And I'm like, I'm never going to get that. I'm going to be right out of college. I'm not going to get that. And she's like, no, no, you need to apply for it. And so that I applied for it and loved it there. Had a great interview with John Zeke, who was awesome AD at the time. And I was offered the job literally right on the spot. And I was like, okay, awesome. Yeah, I'll take it. I was shocked. And then Harriton position, that was my high school coach's sister, uh, Phyllis Pillard, who was the head coach there. And I went to her and said, hey, are you looking for somebody? And I knew her growing up through high school years and then got the job there. So it was both of them, both were fantastic experiences. So when you get the job specifically at Cabrini, 22 23-ish, right? And I'm guessing you're coaching kids, some 18, but some 20, 21, 22. How difficult was that? We talked about the family dynamic earlier. Here's the, you know, what are you doing? You're only nine months older than me. Why should I listen to you? Did you have to deal with that? And I I doubt kids are going to mouth off like that. But but there has to be, it's got to present some challenges, no? Oh, yeah, most definitely. And I knew that I had to draw a hard line because I'm literally, I'm maybe the same age as some of these girls. So it definitely took me kind of being like, all right, this is how it's going to be. And I had to be very tough on them at first. I mean, you can't go soft and get tougher. You got to start strong and, and ease up when you need to ease up. So it, it was definitely challenging. But I had a group of fantastic girls that just completely bought in. It's also hard because I'm coming from playing two Division One sports, so then coaching a D3 sport. And a D3 sport that, you know, was a growing program. And so it was definitely, like, I pushed them to major limits, and then I realized, like, I had to back off on some limits because it was just too much. But the respect level, I give the, those girls the credit, all the credit in the world because they really respected me, and I think – Playing, coming from William Mary gave me that much more credibility. So it actually went really well. It went better than I would have expected it. How much did it help? And you mentioned coming from William and Mary, because I've talked to people over the years who have done that, taken over a program where they had played 
or they had just been the grad assistant and then they they step in and I think that's even harder because you probably partied with these kids and now all of a sudden, you know, on Monday you're their buddy, on Tuesday you've got to tell them that they're not playing this weekend. Like, did it help that you were coming from somewhere different where, yes, the age thing was there, but you were still kind of a new face and kind of had that built-in credibility because you were new? 100%. It, because I came from somewhere else, that made things that much easier. That's why I give Aaron Matson at UNC total credit because – like you just said, yeah, they were partying with those friends just a few months ago. And for her to walk into that spot was pretty incredible. But, yeah, because I was from William Mary and a, a different school, it made it that much easier for me to have the credibility, for me to have the get the respect level out of them. Biggest thing you didn't know when you started coaching as far as what the job entailed, either from a logistics standpoint, a paperwork standpoint, or a personal standpoint. Like what was the first – oh. Okay, got to deal with that. You know what? The paperwork part, not so much at Cabrini, but at Villanova, that, that's like a whole nother piece of it. The but job in itself almost. The job in itself, exactly. But I would say literally caring about each one of these girls off the field was probably the biggest thing that I saw and learned very quickly that it's not about just being their coach on the field. It's being there for them off the field as well. And I think that was probably one of the biggest things that I learned very quickly. What was your first aha moment as a coach where you either won a big game or you mentioned earlier, you know, even coaching in high school and college, when the light bulb goes off on a kid, do you specifically have that first moment that sticks in your head that you got that gratification from, from the job? Yeah, that was at Cabrini when we made it to the conference championship and to get to the conference championship and winning that game was seriously one of the most aha moments that I'm like, wow, these kids just got it. And they were kids that, like I remember in the school newspaper, it said like the top 10 jokes of Cabrini and we were like the 10th. And so I remember bringing that school newspaper out to our team be like, you guys see this? Like, you ready to change this? And for these girls to go from that to making our conference championship game, it was that game leading up to it that was the aha moment, like, wow, we did it. And we lost by one in the championship game, but it was the coolest thing seeing these girls who nobody believed in, they didn't even believe in themselves, to having them be like one of the best teams at that point on campus was probably the coolest thing ever. As an aside, with Cabrini merging with Villanova and convert the Cabrini going away, it makes me sad because a lot of great people athletically have built that program and athletic program overall. Did you notice, because one of the things doing this podcast, I can't tell you how many people have come through where, oh, you started at Cabrini. Oh, you went to Cabrini. Oh, you were an assistant at Cabrini. It was to the point where our executive producer goes, is there something I'm missing? Because all these people came through Cabrini. Did you, as you've grown as a coach, did you realize that? Like just how many people had some sort of thread back to Cabrini? Yeah, I have seen it. And I give John Zeke a ton of credit. He was a fantastic uh, athletic director. He was also the men's basketball coach there. And I, Clearly, he just went out and hired really good people. He, he cared that they were a good person first. And our women's softball coach coached there as well from Villanova. 
And and she and I always like crack up like we had the same path. And it, it's funny to see all the ties from Cabrini. And it just shouts that they cared about hiring a good person first. So now let's talk about coming to Villanova. Was it something where you felt you were ready and pursued? Or does an opportunity open, somebody calls you, and the wheels start moving? It was always a dream of mine to coach at Villanova. And being from the area, I knew, like, wow, like, I would be at Cabrini, and then literally I would go to Mass Sunday nights at Villanova, and I'd literally be in Mass and be like, this is where I want to be, and this is that next step. And this this is my dream. And they called me and said, would you be interested in interviewing? And I'm like, most definitely. I was 24, so I was pretty young. And had just gotten married, basically, and literally go for an interview. And they offered me the job on the spot. And I was like, all right, do I try to be the mature one and say, let me think about this? But I was couldn't obviously give up that opportunity and accepted it right on the spot and thought, wow, this is this is exactly where I want to be. So I think I was over my head. Nope, I was ready for it. I was excited for it. I knew it was going to be a lot of hard work. But I also knew that being at Villanova was a really special place. And when you got there, you were also doing women's lacrosse head coach, correct? So when I first got there, I coached field hockey for two years. And, and then... then they came to me and said, would you, would you coach lacrosse, be the head lacrosse coach, which was a huge deal. You normally see one head, one assistant, like I talked to earlier about, but they were kind of in a jam, and I said, all right, let me think about this one. I did say that, and I went to a, a, a few people that um, are mentors to me and said, what do you think about this? Like, can I do this? And everybody's like, you're, a couple of people are like, no, you're nuts. Don't do it. And then one person said, you can do it, and it will be worth it, but only do it for three years. So I went back to them and said, hey, I'll do it. And I was really excited about doing it because I loved lacrosse, too. And I was sad that lacrosse was not still in my life. So I, I said yes, and I said, I'll, but I'll do it for three years. And at the end of the three years, uh, I want to be full-time in one of them because I was hired as part-time. And all those positions back then were all part-time. So they agreed and said, okay. And then uh, then I got to pick the sport. And at the time, women's lacrosse, so I, I coached it for three years. And at the time, lacrosse wasn't even in a conference. So I was a help in getting them into a conference. And we joined the Patriot League during those three, three years. But then they didn't have any scholarships at the time. And field hockey was in the Big East and did have a few scholarships. So at the time, I'm like, all right, let's, I'll commit to field hockey instead. So doing the two, was it overwhelming at times? Oh, yeah, 100%. But it was before I had kids. So I never could have kids yet because it was just nonstop. In the fall, I would go to lacrosse in the mornings, and we would practice from like 8 to 10 a.m. And then I'd go to field hockey in the afternoons from 1 to Four, basically. And in between, I'd recruit for both sports. I give my assistant coaches huge credit because both of them were absolutely fantastic. And I had a lot of trust in them. And they were great hard workers. So it was so fun, though. I loved it. Did it help knowing that there was an expiration date? Yes. That, okay, at three years, we'll diverge on one path or the other. Like, And it wasn't just this oh, my goodness, I'm going to have to do this for the next 30 years. Yeah, it definitely helped. And and knowing that light was at the end of the tunnel made me just work that much harder to be like, all right, it's going to be easier in a little bit. 
but let's enjoy this while we can. Did you have moments of really missing lacrosse I in the, did. the time after that? Yeah, I did. I did because I loved it. I think in lacrosse you can be a little bit more impactful as a coach in game and and change things. So I missed that piece, but uh, I did miss it. As a head coach during your time, how have you changed, do you think? You mentioned going through with what you did with your daughter and her journey and how that made you kind of reassess things on, on one level. But how do you think you have changed from the early years to now? I think I started off really hard-nosed and tough because I was really young. Getting that job at 24, I was very young. And I knew I had to start off, like I said earlier, being really tough. And I knew I, I couldn't start easy on our players and then get tougher, like I said. But I also I felt like I was kind of always battling for things and fighting for our teams and making sure we got things. I'd say I was I, I pushed our girls really to, you know, limits in the beginning. And then I had kids and I realized, OK, I'm now a mom like <laughs> It opened up my eyes, really. I think it's probably the best perspective that has changed me as a coach because it's not like I don't push them any bit less, but I now get it a little bit more what they're going through. And and as a mom, as a coach, as a former player, I now have all three perspectives. So I went from, from a time where I was just ultra competitive and ultra tough and set standards to then a time where I honestly got too soft and I would let people get away with it a little bit too much. And I think that was the softness of being the mom. And now I think I'm back to a balance of both where I I push, but I recognize limits. And that's probably why this is my favorite time coaching right now, because I'm at the point where I get it. I, I, I know how far to push I'm still going to push and I'm still going to push harder than they want to be pushed because I I want them to reach potentials. But I also get breaking points more and I get a full perspective of like, all right, this is a kid. I got to recognize, you know, where those limits are. So I've seen, <laughs> I've gone from like all stages. And I think now with all the experience underneath me, I now get it. And I wish like I got that earlier. But I now think we've got, like, the best balance ever. Through your career at Villanova, what do you consider? Is there a season that stands out and maybe not necessarily the most success, but when you think back just a year that really you put at the top of your accomplishment resume during your time at Villanova? I'd say 2005 was a really – it was a successful year. But it was a successful year after a lot of growth on our team. And I think that was a a team that basically came from nowhere to just, like, coming together and really, like, valued each other. And I think we're actually—I compared that team to where we are right now. And I think, like, that year of 2005, we just had a lot of really good kids with great attitudes who were ultra competitive but worked hard for each other. And now I feel like this past year, we have that same thing again. So I'd say that those two years specifically, and it's literally because of the culture of the team in those two years that I'd say are two standout ones. 
Do you measure success the same way now as you did 10, 20, 30 years ago? No, definitely not. I measure success right now. Like I used to think it was all about wins and losses. And I get that, yes, college athletics is about wins and losses. But I measure success when girls are happy. I measure success when you have a team that is united and in it for each other and has the same values and is working their hardest. They might not get that win, but they just gave everything that they have and absolutely loved their experience, be it their field hockey experience, their academic experience, and their social experience. Like when I have these girls graduate that have total happiness and that have loved their experience, that's success to me now. Love to win or hate to lose? Which would you put on top? (laughs) I hate to lose. Yeah, definitely hate to lose. Can't stand it. (laughs) What is your favorite part of what you do? I think it's the the relationships that you build with your staff, with a you know, administration even, and most definitely with the players. Uh, it's so fun watching a player, probably when they're a freshman, they're a little nervous. They're, I don't want to say they're scared of you, but they're, they are definitely nervous. And then by the time they're a senior, they're like, like having a great time with you and like still respect, they're still that respect level. But now you're talking to them and they're talking to you in a totally different way that they've now opened up. And then after they graduate, having them be like now a friend and, you know, going to weddings, going out and meeting these girls, that probably is the best part of it all. I love that part of it. Do you prefer practice or games when it comes to the coaching? Like if you could only do one and it was you could prepare a team in practice or you could be there game day and do your thing. Do you prefer one over the other or does it depend? That's a tough question, actually. Um, I mean, who doesn't love a game? But I also love practices. So I'm not I'm not sure about that one. That's a really tough question. Like, I love game day. Game day is, I mean, you can't compare much to game day. So I probably, I guess I would say game day. But practices are really big, too, because I love seeing the growth during practice. But I'd probably go with game day. Do you have a game day routine? Yes. And is it, like, sacrosanct? Like, it cannot be diverged from? Uh, it's definitely, I'm definitely all about habit and making sure like I do the same type things. <laughs> yes. Every day, every game day. You talked about how being at Villanova was a dream. Once you got established, you know, were you like, this is where I want to be the rest of my career or were there in the early years? Was there, eh, if we have some success, maybe see what's out there or was it, I'm a wildcat and we're good. Being from this area. I knew when when I left to go to William Mary, I knew I always wanted to be back in our area because I love it so much. And also my family was here. So when I got the Villanova job, I definitely thought this is it. Well, why do I need to go anywhere else? Uh, and I did in the early years have some some other schools reach out to me and see if I wanted to go anywhere. But I was like, nope, I'm happy here. I love it here. There's just... Villanova is a very special place, and that's why you see so many coaches stay there for for a long period of time. In closing, what do you hope people take away from your program, whether they go through it, whether they're observing it? What are the things you want them to grasp immediately of what Villanova field hockey is all about? I want them to grasp how special it is. Right now, we worked during COVID about our culture, 
And our core values and standards are passion, growth, and accountability. And and that piece, I want them to walk away from Villanova Field Hockey saying, I absolutely loved it. I had the best friends who will be my friends for life. I had the best memories. We had some awesome games of great memories and great growth and and just overall that they're walking away from Villanova Field Hockey saying, I loved it. And it's about the people and it's about the experiences and the journey of going through it together, but doing it in the right way. And and that's what we've always been about, doing it in the right way and, and making sure that we don't lose sight of, yeah, this is a game, this is fun, yeah, we want to be the best field hockey team we can be and ultra competitive, but you want them to love it and be happy. And if they're happy, like, that's the key in my book. Joni Milhouse, thanks so much for coming in. Thank you so much. And that will do it for this week's episode of One-on-One, sponsored by your Delaware Valley Honda dealers. Get a deal you'll like on a Honda you'll love. Want to thank Villanova head field hockey coach Joni Milhouse for being our guest this week. Now, if you like this show and you listen on Apple Podcasts, do us a favor and leave us a rating and a review. You can follow this show on the platform formerly known as Twitter, now known as X at One on One Pod. You can follow me there as well at Matt Leon Ten Sixty. Thanks so much for listening, and be sure to check us out again next week when we bring you another conversation with someone you should know more about.